Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit. I invite you to pray with me. Prune me, Lord. Go ahead. Prune me, Lord. Prune me, Lord. Prune us, Lord. How'd that feel? <laughs> I'm not even sure I meant it. It felt so strange. I want to invite you, and we're going to start doing this into the future. Uh, after worship, we're going to have a time to engage the sermon and the message here in the sanctuary. So after worship, go grab a cup of coffee and a donut hole if you want, and come back in here, and I'll be leading us in a discussion around the sermon. So Eric brought his note-taking notebook. Bring your whatever and, and come. We've got a lot to talk about today. Grapevines and Ethiopian eunuchs and the purpose and identity of the church and God's vast dynamic love for you and the world. This text of pruning and grapevines always makes me think of the apple trees that I had at my property in Mitchell. We had three of them. And they would have sucker shoots that would come up and you'd go and clip them off and throw them on the ground. And if you have apple trees, you know what I mean. Those would become our marshmallow roasting sticks or kindling for the fires outside when we started a bonfire. But, but the point was, I, I knew that I needed to prune them. And why I'm mentioning apple trees is because we're more familiar with that than grapevines. And I hope that as we go out in the community and in the world, you'd see trees and you'd remember what we're talking about today. You needed to prune the trees so that they were healthy, and you needed to prune the tree so that you had a healthy orchard all combined together. We come to this grapevine pruning metaphor of Jesus, and it turns out it's not about any one individual branch it ends up being about the branches and the vine itself going out into the world. It ends up being about my life, your life, and our common life together as disciples of Jesus. Now the timing of this text matters immensely for how we understand it and how we hear the gospel within it because it's right before Jesus is arrested and crucified. So he's washed his disciples' feet and he says, do you know what I've done for you? I've shown you sacrificial love. Do likewise to each other. So he's done all that. They've experienced all that. And so what he's trying to teach them is who they are as disciples. Where they get their purpose and meaning and identity from after he's dead. And the you in the text is also the is you all. You all. You know, vines are interesting things. Grapevines, specifically. I know some of you are master gardeners, so you can maybe correct me or, or come and, and tell me your experience of vines, but grapevines are interesting things. An unpruned grapevine can grow 115 feet long, and it extends out everywhere, and it covers everything that it touches. It attaches to everything and climbs all over the place, and it does produce fruit. But a pruned vine one that's been guided and directed by the loving hands of a gardener who, who has a purpose and a will and an intent for that vine. It produces fruit longer. It can live up to 25 years. It has deeper roots that go down 15 feet. A normal unpruned vine will spread everything out three feet or so, but a pruned vine will send its roots deep. 
it becomes resilient and, and strong. The other interesting thing about a pruned vine is it can produce four times as much fruit as an unpruned vine in a quarter of the space. Now the reason this all makes sense is because it made sense to them. They understood the metaphor at a deeper daily life of walking down the street and seeing grapevines and seeing people prune them because people did that. Not so much in South Dakota. I, but we are seeing grapes more, aren't we, as genetics and stuff takes them hardier and stronger and all that. We had grapes in my dad's garden. But it's this metaphor for the church that the disciples were wrapping into their heads and, and understanding in their hearts what it meant. That that pruning's necessary. And that while it might look like it's hurting to get the vine all cut up, it's actually making it better. And so the metaphor is rich and multi-level for us. It's not about a mechanical process of salvation, like, oh, I believe in Jesus, good. It's about having our hearts transformed by the living Christ. And in so doing, we transform the world. And so each of us must be pruned. And that's why we prayed at the beginning, even though it felt weird. Each community of faith must be pruned, just like disciples must be pruned. And there's a promise in there. I had us pray that because I've been praying that prayer all week, prune me, Lord, and wondering, what does that mean? What if he actually does it? Are you thinking the same thing I am? I'm not sure, but that becomes a question, right? The, the spiritual question. And the trust that the gardener loves us and wants to nurture us so that we can always have more and more joy and experience the abundant life and be the disciples that God says we are. The beloved people that God says we already are and are always in the process of becoming, and so it becomes painfully beautiful. What needs to be pruned? The, the, the weird question is, it always comes down to who needs to be pruned? And of course we say, is it me, or is it you, or is, is it them, or is it us? And of course it's us. Of course it's me. I'm not going to speak for you, but of course it's me. I'm not the disciple I want to be. Actually, I can speak for you. Neither are you. I'm your pastor. You pay me to tell you that. Weird, huh? Love doesn't live perfectly in us. But Christ does. Our Lord and Savior has claimed us so that we can live in this world knowing that the end of our lives is more and more joy as we become deeper and deeper connected to the vine. Remember what happened. He just washed their feet. And they just said, no, 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 you can't love us like that. And he's told them he's going to die. And they either can't believe it or, or won't believe it, but it's not just about him dying. It's about the nature of the kingdom he's leaving behind. Remember what he said? My kingdom's not of this world. As branches connected to the vine, we live differently. Or we're called to. He's trying to give them his last will and testament, if you will, of how they are going to be sustained in this life when his physical body is gone. 
abide in me. Those who abide in me will live. And so you can see the, the call to, to perseverance and persistence and, and faith. Abide in me. Because I live in you, and when you abide in me, we'll connect to that. And not only will you be transformed, people will see that. And then you'll be able to do what I do. That was always the intent of disciples with the rabbi, is to do what your rabbi did. To have the love, the teaching, the way of being that your rabbi did. And for Jesus, it's to live in sacrificial love for the world, and so he's there with them. Saying, show the same love that I showed you. And what he's talking about with pruning is removing the branches that don't go along with the vine grower or the gardener's purpose so that they can bear more and more fruit. You know, grapevines are interesting. Does anybody, are anybody a grapevine grower? Are you? Nice, cool. So you stay afterwards and say, Pastor, you're totally wrong. <laughs> but I don't know, good. So, so, but grapevines are interesting because they can self-pollinate if they're of the right plant, right? But they can also cross-pollinate depending on how the plant's put together with, with the, the right parts. But biodiversity helps, is that right? It helps with apple trees, too. Apple trees have to cross-pollinate. They can't pollinate themselves. So if, if you want a, a good... Uh, um, if you want a good a honey crisp apple, you also need a good red barren growing somewhere or something they, they, they mature at the same time and blossom at the same time. But, but, but the point is the community comes together and, and diversity helps. It helps the whole plant, the whole vineyard. Makes each individual branch healthier. Jesus was talking to a very mixed group of people. Being a disciple or being of the same mind of Christ, it's not about, and it can't be about whatever worldly identity we have. Denominational, whatever, right? We have all sorts of identities. You can name them yourself, what you affiliate with. Clubs, groups, things, families, whatever. It can't be about that identity because that's always somehow anchored in the world. And he says, my kingdom's not out there, it's different. Remember the metaphor. I wonder how much those disciples learned from each other. Because Christ's love claims everything that you are. And if actions and the things that we are aren't loving, then Christ says they're not of me. They can't be. The gardener's purpose of bearing fruit isn't doing good things or just, it's having a heart that looks like Jesus' heart. So that we can love the world and transform more hearts. And so Jesus is working to transform yours. Remember the promise? I abide in you. Prune me, O Lord. As people connected to the risen Christ, we can say that prayer with joy. And with grace, knowing that God's love will claim us all the time from whatever we're becoming. For whatever we're becoming. And if pruning's painful and sounds like judgment or, or feels like you're being cut off, listen to what Jesus is saying. He's talking to his disciples. The ones that he's claimed already. The ones that his father gave him. And frankly, for them, that process was painful. 
It was hard for Peter to hear how he let Jesus down. But Jesus came to him and said, I love you. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and they are a radically diverse, confused, disagreeing group. you got impetuous Peter who's carrying a sword. If you don't know what that means, he's running around with the kingdom of violence saying, I'm going to take this world by force for you, Lord. I'm going to wield power over people and take what I want. Christ says you can't do that. You have Thomas who can't sit still and is running around and, and not supporting the community or doubting or quitting or whatever he's doing. You got some tax collectors who are considered a traitor to the Jewish faith and wouldn't normally belong to any group of Jews, but they're there. You got some fishermen who are kind of down here on the social status. You got James and John who sit at Jesus' left and right hand or they want to. Remember that? Hey, Lord, when your kingdom comes into this world, can we? Actually, they said, Lord, when your kingdom comes, can we be on your left and we be on your right and have power over all these other guys? Actually, they didn't even do that. They had their mom do it. Remember that story? That's not just a funny story. That's a group of disciples trying to take power over the other group. And Jesus says, you have no idea what you're asking. The purpose of the gardener divine in this world is to, to love one another as I've loved you. And Jesus' joy in this world was in you. And in the world, and in that love growing, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the vine always grows away from the roots out into the world. If it doesn't, you know what happens to it? We got a gardener here. It dies. It becomes bound up. It becomes unable to have the fullest life. And so think of all the things that church does, that you do. All the different ways we leave this place and go out, and we can name a bunch of them. And we can always name more. That's not the point. The point's the direction of growth so that hearts can be transformed. So there was this Ethiopian eunuch, and he got in his chariot, and he traveled thousands of miles to the Jerusalem temple, even though he wasn't welcome there. A little bit of history, Jews have been in Ethiopia since 500 B.C. or so, since one of the other temples was destroyed. They left for fear. They created a community in Ethiopia, and so there's been Jews there for a long, long time, and there still are, and they have a very old-looking religion. I'm drawing on some information and teaching from my professor, who's way smarter than me in this. They've been there, and so it's natural that this, that this Ethiopian eunuch is on his way to Jerusalem to worship his pilgrimage. But the thing about eunuchs is they were a special group of people. You could recognize them, that they looked different physically because of what had been done to them. But what had been done to them had been done because then they wouldn't be a threat to the royal family. They wouldn't be a threat to the empire Often eunuchs were members of the royal lineage of whoever was in power at the time. They would be taken or removed from their home before hormones started changing their body, and then they would, well, become eunuch. And since they couldn't create an heir to challenge the throne, they were safe. 
They were also safe because if the person who was in power at the time died, usually the eunuchs and their staff were killed along with them. And so it was required that you hang with this person here and stay with them forever. Your fruit, whatever you could do and produce in your life, had to serve them or you just might die. The, the, the thing about the eunuch is traveling to Jerusalem, his identity was not enough. He was damaged for no fault of his own, powerless over his past, future fate, out of his control as well. God wasn't with him like God was with everyone else, or so they believed. Violent power had been extended over this person's life so that worldly power could be maintained. That's why that story matters for us as people of the vineyard. Jesus' kingdom versus the worldly kingdom. The Spirit sends Philip to reclaim from this man what the world had stolen and destroyed. And for the first time in his life, the eunuch hears the message of Jesus and experiences God's grace probably for the first time. That he mattered and he drinks deep of the vine's love and becomes a branch along with Philip. Here is water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? And the point is he understands nothing is to prevent me from being in God's love and abiding in the vine. And so he receives his life back. Maybe not his original body, but his heart is transformed and it makes a difference for him. He goes on his way rejoicing. It's a beautiful story. His heart's transformed. He went from understanding nothing to understanding that he is a recipient of God's grace and mercy. And so, dear friends, are you. It matters because the worldly kingdom has each one of us somehow. That's why I prayed, prune me. Something's got you. Preventing you from being what you want. But you know who has you more? Jesus. And that makes all the difference because he's not going to let you go. He's going to sustain you and abide in you so that you can further abide in him and submit to pruning if that's what it takes but always so that we can show the world that love rules. That this kingdom of God will one day overarch everything and we will be a part of it. You all will be a part of it. Now how we experience that, well that comes down to how we experience this. How we abide together. How we love one another as our Lord has loved us. And so we have water and Word and, and prayer and confession and fellowship and, well, today, probably about 140 people to seek God's grace with in this world and sustain each other as we become more who Christ calls us to be. I'm so glad that you're here, branches. Amen.